This week on episode 535 of Priority One, content deals continue at Viacom CBS, so you'll see what IP Bob can guarantee to be on TV. A touching farewell to Tilly with the character's far future plans on the tip of Mary Wiseman's tongue. In gaming news, some fresh and refreshed games to add to your Trek catalogue, and Mud is back with fresh intel in a big ship bundle. And before we review the most recent episode of Discovery, Dr. Robert Hurt tells us how we're looking for planets not just around distant stars, but in distant galaxies. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to our final episode, 535 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, December 14th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 17th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Roscoe, welcome back. It's so good to have you. We hope that uh, you look well. You certainly look well. You sound well. We missed you the last two weeks, so it's good to have you back. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, it's it's so nice to be back. I've been dealing with a, a nasty little virus and thankfully have been on the mend for a little while, which is great. Have very much missed catching up with you all. and it, But it was also nice to treat Priority One podcast as a listener for a couple of weeks and tune in. And uh, if I could slap the hood of this car, this baby's got some good stuff under the hood, let me tell you. Uh, this is this is excellent. So it was, it was great to be uh, a listener and switch that up for a little bit, but it did make me feel uh, very much like I was I was missing out, and so I'm very happy to be back and feeling better. Well, what you'll find under the hood is an amazing team of people who have dedicated their time, their talents into producing this weekly show. It is no small feat to produce a show voluntarily as a labor of love for 10 years. And it would not be possible without all the amazing talent that we have working behind the scenes from our audio editors to our graphic artists, to our producers, to our general counsels like Tony and and uh, Kat every once in a while when we drag her into something. And of course, you guys, it's been a real great year. I I am so thrilled that we that I had an opportunity of celebrating our 10th year with you guys. And uh, yeah, I think it's time to do a show. All right. Yeah, it's been a pretty good year. That's right. For the podcast. I mean, you know, mm. not just like worldwide. Well, before we jump into the news, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and we hope you'll stay in touch. You see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who have donated their time and talents this year because like you, you. They're passionate about what Star Trek is all about. If you want to join a welcoming community and share your passions for Star Trek with like-minded Trekkies, be sure to join the Armada. Gamer or not, there's a place for you. Visit PriorityOneArmada.com for more information. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's Trek it out. If you haven't watched Star Trek Discovery's Season 4, Episode 4, All is Possible, our next story contains some spoilers. So, be warned. Still here? Good. Let's get started. In the aforementioned All is Possible, Discovery said goodbye to one of its own, Lieutenant Sylvia Tilly. This week, TV Insider sat down with Tilly actor Mary Wiseman to talk about the episode, her departure, and the future of Tilly. Before going any further, let's get the big question out of the way. Will Tilly be back, and in what capacity? Wiseman answered, unsatisfyingly, quote, I can say that you'll see me later in the season, end quote. She continued, also unsatisfyingly, quote, I'll say that her hair is slightly 
slightly different and she's wearing a different outfit, end quote. Being less vague, Wiseman recalled her on-screen goodbyes telling TV insiders Meredith Jacobs, quote, you tend to create a found family and that's very much the story of our show, both on and off screen, that we are a found family. So it felt really important to honor those relationships. Kind of feels like she's going off to do this thing and all of these people show up for her to say, we'll still be here for you when you come back and we love you and we'll miss you, end quote. Really? It's true. Tilly, we will miss you because we're all silly for Tilly. For a full link to the article, which discusses Tilly's relationships, motivations, and Wiseman's favorite scene in season four, check out our links in the show notes. New costume and new hair. Now we're talking. I love when she has new hair. Now, Kat, during our discussion last week on After Hours, you made a really great suggestion about what might happen with Tilly. Sorry, Roscoe, I know you were really excited to mm-hmm. come in here talking about it, but Kat said it <laughs> Aww, first. thanks. So, Fred, credit I'm sure I wasn't Jerry's the first person, though. I mean, it just occurred to me as we were talking about it. And what was that? Well, this would be an excellent opportunity to launch Starfleet Academy, if that's something they wanted to do in the 32nd century, which, why wouldn't they? Mm. And this is why I thought of the same thing as well, Kat, because it's a perfect launch pad because you've got a clean slate with restarting Starfleet Academy. So you've got a whole series to build from fresh. It's a, a nice fresh start. You've got the storyline in Discovery that has led to here. You've got all of these alien races that don't like each other. They all need to learn to get along. But I have an extra bit to add to your theory and with the branch off of potentially the idea of Tilly going over to Starfleet Academy, a whole new series starting there. I think this is the end of Star Trek Discovery. I think season four may just be the end because if they're using that as a branching off point, then is she the first of the cast members to find a whole new purpose in life? Michael Burnham already has a new purpose in life outside of being captain of Discovery. She's now that liaison on this council, arbitrary council, that will function between the Federation and Navarre as the citizen of both worlds. So she you, already... You mean the council of one? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's right, the one. Right, she's the committee of one. Committee right. of one person. The committee of one person, which I'm sure they will add right, to right. it at a later stage. But so she has something ongoing outside of being captain of Discovery that is would not make great TV is, um, you know, a, a Zoom, a, a space future Zoom meeting TV series is not is not something I'm kind of interested in. But yeah, so she has something ongoing. But and so I think this is something that will slowly bring Discovery to a close because it's about Captain Burnham. So if Burnham's not on Discovery, then where do you go? Don't know. So maybe this is the end. You know, I know that there are a lot of Star Trek fans that listen to the show. They are passionate about, you know, all the Star Trek out there that's out there now, especially who are big fans of Discovery, big fans of the actors. And although I am saddened that these actors, you know, they're if that happens, you know, these actors now have to look for work and that's, you know, that's always going to be tough. But I, I have to say, I, I, if it does happen, I will be happy to put Discovery behind me. You don't like Discovery? This is the first time hearing of this. No, I do <laughs> What? Right? Um, imagine, imagine. What about you, Kat? Would you be sad to see the end of Discovery? Yeah, I would. I like Discovery. I mean, it's not my favorite of all the shows available, but but I like it. Or at least I don't hate it, you know, with the fire of a thousand suns like some other folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the same as well. I I like it. And the thing that I... I, I do have occasional disagreements with Discovery. I, I had a moment where I... I you could literally hear the smack of my palm on my forehead during the last episode because, again, the problem was solved thanks to Michael Burnham. Discovery was the Kickstarter that has brought back and brought into development a whole wealth of Trek on TV. And I'm, I'm, I'll always be grateful for that. I may not have been happy with it at various points, uh, but it started this research and that, that in itself is a good thing. In some not very shocking news, via 
Viacom CBS CEO Bob Backish confirmed that Paramount Plus is moving towards exclusivity for its major IP franchises by reducing the amount of third-party licensees, just like the recent buyback deal for Star Trek Discovery from Netflix. In a recent media conference, Backish was asked about the third-party licensing deals, and he said that while the company continues to bring in revenue for many deals cut before the launch of Paramount Plus, its priorities have definitely changed. They're not likely to renew any prior third-party deals. Backish elaborated on this, saying, quote, as we increasingly transition to leveraging our particular franchises and original production for our owned and operated streaming assets, principally Paramount Plus, that in turn will create a decline in that third-party business over time as these deals roll off. I would note that as an example of that, we just took back Star Trek Discovery internationally from Netflix, and so now we have that property globally. That's clearly a core franchise for us, and it's working, end quote. It appears that these efforts are working for Backish, as he stated that Paramount Plus had its best week ever and best month ever in November. However, Discovery has yet to be confirmed for a fifth season. Historically, additional season pickups are announced around the time of the launch of a new season, which they did just recently for Star Trek Prodigy. I, for one, am very glad they got their international rights sorted otherwise i would say they could kiss my streaming assets <laughs> yeah yeah i think a lot of people uh outside of north america were thrilled at the announcement that they were opening it up it's a rough time it's a rough time for us all internationally speaking of paramount plus it just announced the launch of 18 linear channels that let subscribers surf through dedicated themed collections of shows called live channels the content comes from all Viacom CBS properties, including CBS, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, BET, and the Smithsonian Channel, as well as from other sources. The themed live channels, streaming 24 hours per day, feature the service's most streamed genres or specific franchises, like Star Trek. Just think, Star Trek Channel, all Trek, all the time. I had that on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah. But part of the fun about live TV is you don't know what episode is coming next. Commercials? Yes, that's also fun. Paramount Plus's live channels will also potentially provide a new bucket of advertising inventory for the streaming service to sell. At launch, there won't be ads in the channels for either the Paramount Plus Premium at $9.99 per month or the Ad Supporter Essential at $4.99 per month tiers. But eventually, Viacom CBS may introduce ads for customers with the Essentials package. Through December 31, new subscribers can try Paramount Plus for 30 days free using the promo code PEAKSALE. And now we have a few headlines that we didn't discuss but thought might interest you. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. A Star Trek Adventures-based audio play, Star Trek Europa, is now available as a podcast with 10 episodes online. The series follows the adventures of the USS Europa, a Luna-class starship with a new prototype positronic and bioneural computer system, and advanced AI. The ship's mission is exploration post the Dominion War. It's available on all your favorite podcast apps. In other news came a cryptic tweet with very few details because it seems that Star Trek Online is teaming up with X Asterisk, the ships of Star Trek Online. The original tweet came from Daniel Odret, the writer and director of The Sojourn HQ, a science fiction audio drama. Now, we have confirmation as of six hours ago from the time of this recording that Star Trek Online has already produced its first episode featuring the Pathfinder-class long-range science vessel. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what's happening in the world of Star Trek Gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. Just in time for the holidays when you have all that extra money, a new bundle hits MUD's market on December 22nd. MUD's secret Intel choice pack will be available for 29,500 Zen, and you can choose any three of the following items. Now, these are divided into ships and what bits. So the ships you can get are the Section 31 Intel Science Destroyer, the Sona Intel Battle Cruiser, the Alachi Sheshar Intel Dreadnought Cruiser, or 
Knock Kij, Intel Battlecruiser, 50 Master Keys, 1 Epic Phoenix Box Token, 9 T6 Upgrade Tokens, and or 10 Gold Tech Upgrades. Now, if you want all of these items, you can spend 60,000 Zen and get the Mega Secret Intel Bundle. Because, yeah, if you buy that, you get all 8 items and you don't even have to pick anything. Yeah, that does seem like a lot, but you know, these packs are on sale for 50% off until January 5th. Now- now, I always have a hard time figuring out what the actual monetary value of that is, uh, and I'm not logged into Stowe, and I have to put in my Arc Defender pin. Okay, 29,500 Zen is $290. Damn! 60,000 Zen is $600. Damn! Now, that's regular price, right? That's before? Yes, before it's 50% off. So it's $300 if you want all of those things, or uh, whatever half of 29500 is. Y'all don't ask me to math. And I'm, I am, <laughs> uh, you know, they've been- 150, they've been, $150. They've been doing this for a while, these mud markets things. And I, to this day, I have a- s- sneaking suspicion that they know that it's highly unlikely that somebody's going to spend $250. So they do this, you know, flash sale, 50% off kind of thing. They get those sales. And yeah, there'll probably be a few people that, you know, have that kind of cash on hand that can spend money on that when the sale goes out. Uh, but I, you know, I think that, you know, it, they're inflating the value, right? It's it's uh, it's a marketing scheme, you know? Yeah, it is inflating the value because that's a ridiculous price. And just out of curiosity... I looked up the ex- current exchange rate, and 295 US dollars would cost me 415 Australian dollars. Now, so... what about 150? 150 seems more reasonable for you, right? Something you know, yeah, like yeah, one one oh, half off would well... be 211 dollars. And I did put on my Christmas list that I would like Zen gift cards from both of you for Christmas, so because I will have no money after Christmas. I know that's why I hate this. It's like it's Christmas time, people. We who has extra money to be spending three hundred dollars or one hundred fifty dollars, you know, on a pack? Even though I really kind of want that until the Section Thirty One ship. You know, we we talked about it a few weeks ago when they had the Section Thirty One Battle Cruiser on there, and and you know, I I don't often I seldom spend money on Star Trek Online. You know, I'll have a spurt, right? Like they'll get they'll get a hundred bucks from me or so every every other quarter or something. You know, every two, you know twice a year or something like that. And and I spent the money on on the last bundle so that I can get the Intel Section 31 Battlecruiser. And I I enjoy flying the Battlecruiser. I doubled up on the uh, lobby that was bundled in that particular in that particular bundle. And you know, I don't, you know, that's it. They got my money for the year. That's it. You know, I'll see you in July, you know. Yeah, I mean I like I'm interested in some of these ships, but I'm not $150 interested in these ships. And I already have the Intel Dreadnought that I would like in the the Kelvin Intel Dreadnought. So it's yeah, it's not a bundle for for me. Looking yeah, taking a look at it, the the Section 31 Intel Science Destroyer. Uh, I like. I do like the look of those, but but not enough to shell out for this entire pack. Yeah, I mean, I like a destroyer, but it's not my favorite ship ever. Well, captains, if you don't already know, December twenty second is the world premiere of the Matrix Resurrections, the fourth installment of the Matrix franchise films. In order to promote the new film. There was an exclusive sneak peek into an Unreal Engine 5 demonstration inside the Matrix, which was spectacular. And that premiere happened on December 9th during the Game Awards. It just so happens I was watching the Game Awards. And during the ceremony, there was a big surprise. It turns out a new Star Trek game is being produced by a group of developers who formerly worked on video games like the Telltale series. The game, titled Star Trek Resurgence, is set in the year 2380, immediately following Star Trek The Next Generation's feature films. The game will feature an all-new crew, new starship, but also includes characters that are fan favorites. During the trailer, we heard an actor hired to impersonate the voice of Spock. I have to admit, it actually sounded pretty authentic. It was it was 
darn close. So if you're not already familiar, the Telltale series are a series of video games that are very much a guided story narrative that presents you with options, kind of like one of those books, the, the choose your own adventure game books. So your responses to the dialogue will impact the direction that the plot and the story goes within the video game. Uh, there have been several video games like this, uh, award-winning like The Walking Dead, Batman, uh, to just name a few. According to the website, the video game offers a single player experience without any microtransactions, downloadable content, or other additional monetization models. When this game is due to release sometime in 2022, there's not much beyond a landing page on a website that we'll of course have links for in the show notes, but it's a game that I'm excited for, for sure. Yeah, it looks amazing. I'm, I mean, anything for a new story, new story content in the Star Trek universe, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just finding it a little bit difficult to drink, to, to talk, because you talked about the Matrix a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I just feel a bit lightheaded. And we have a rule here on the show. Every time I mention the Matrix, gotta take a drink. <laughs> what? I was taking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're interested in getting some experience with a game like this and haven't already played one like it, then log into Steam or Epic, run a search for Telltale, and there you'll see a list of the available games that follow the similar format. In other gaming news, grab yourself an energy drink or three, a bowl of your favorite snacks, and let's land party, baby, like it's 1999. Actually, the correct temporal cool coordinates are 2000 and 2001, with Star Trek Armada and Armada 2 now available on the GOG store. This comes after Good Old Games and Activision teamed up to celebrate 55 years of Star Trek, re-releasing six games, including Voyager Elite Force and Star Trek Bridge Commander, updated to work on modern operating systems. In Star Trek Armada, war is raging in the Alpha Quadrant and there are four races to command. The story is then expanded in Armada 2 with Species 8472 entering the fray in Federation space. Both games are available to purchase now on the GOG store. I'm so excited about this. I loved Star Trek Armada. I had it on CD-ROM and played it for years. Even found when I could first connect to the internet, found mods. And that was the best thing. It was amazing. Wow, I never played yeah, it. Yeah, I never played it either. What What is a comparable game? Age of Empires, but in space. So it's a strategy game. Mm-hmm. Strategy game. Uh, you build a base, okay. have a whole bunch of starships, mine dilithium, um, beat the other opponent on the map. Starcraft. Starcraft is also another um, one of its in, in the same cohort. Interesting. Interesting. Uh-huh. Dave Rutley says he has a uh, Armada 1 and 2 on CD-ROM. Way to go, Dave. I might have to pick this up. I want good old games to put Path of Neo and Enter the Matrix so I can play them again. Oh, is that a drinking That's reference? That's a drinking That's reference. reference. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> the latest update has dropped for Star Trek Fleet Command with Patch 37 bringing with it Part 3 of the Duality Arc with three notable additions to the game as well as the usual collection of new officers, missions, and bug fixes. Officer presets are now available, meaning you can create, name, and save specific sets of bridge officers which may then be assigned to your preferred ship. Also, a third permanent research queue is now unlockable through the in-game store. On top of this, the Syndicate has now arrived. The morally green Orions bring with them tiers to unlock daily goal multipliers and an exclusive officer grush. You can earn Syndicate XP from select events, a daily claim within the Syndicate menu, or from the Offers tab. The link with a full list of additions in the latest patch will be in our show notes. So, Kat, before we wrap up this episode, do we have any Armada news you'd like to share? Uh, nothing specifically other than just to remind everyone about our regular weekly events. We have TFO Thursday every Thursday, so just check your fleet event tab for the time in your local time zone. And then remember, every Saturday we stream live on Twitch, so come join us and run missions. And also, you can join the Armada at Priority1Armada.com. That's going to be the best way to stay in touch with us, Captains, is by joining the Priority One Armada. And we have a phenomenal community there with some amazing members, some fantastic events, you know, between you, Kat, you know, Winters, and the rest of the Admirals, and of course, 
course the fleet you run it like a very tight ship but it's still fun and welcoming so uh, if you ever want to stay in touch with us and uh, be a part of the community you don't have to like we said earlier at the start of the show you don't have to be a gamer necessarily you know the discord is open and if you have been wanting to explore Star Trek gaming the Armada is the best way to do it we're very nice and helpful just come and hang out ask questions and aren't you guys don't you guys have a big milestone coming up yourselves we do for the live stream yes we are coming up on our 200th episode streaming this Saturday nice nice are you guys making a big event out of it what's going on oh yeah I'm like I'm glad you reminded me because I totally forgot yeah we're having a huge thing 200 minute stream we're having a variety of hosts and we're running a ton of different missions yeah Mike if you want to come hang out with us we're streaming yeah live on Saturday night but all of you should come and join us because you know we're going to be hanging out in the winter wonderland i have my badgie sweater i'm stoked it's all good well captains that wraps up gaming news this week now let's look on screen for the latest episode of star trek discovery on screen computer set star trek discovery season four episode five the examples on screen it's a race against time to save the lives of a colony in the path of the DMA, with Book and Captain Burnham beaming in to save the last few colonists under lock and key. On Discovery, Stamets and Saru work with visiting scientist Ruan Tarka, the expanse's Sean Doyle, to get to the center of the DMA's secrets. All right, let's get some statistics out of the way. This episode was written by Kyle Jarrow, directed by Lee Rose, and premiered on December 16th, 2021. Now, uh, Michael it's been a while since we've had you on the show, so why don't we start with you? What uh, scenes or sequences got you most excited about this episode? Well, if you don't mind, I'll start with my numerical evaluation, Elio. I, I give it a four out of five, what? and we'll see if that's a controversial evaluation. I thought it was great, and I can tell it's going to be a good conversation, by the way. Um, so I think... Personally, Trek is best when it is touching on really big questions. And one of the really big questions that this episode touched on was things like guilt, trauma, punishment, some really kind of psychological questions around three characters, right? The ongoing trauma that Book is experiencing, which also seems to include a bit of survivor's guilt. Secondly, the guilt of Felix one of the prisoners who also has his own way of, of thinking about penance or, or whatever. And then Dr. Kolber's own sense of survivor's guilt, which he kind of gets a little psychoanalyzed in that in, in that one scene, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I, I don't know. That was, I thought, a really powerful kind of sub-thread. It wasn't like the main point of the episode, but it was there. And I thought it was there in a really sophisticated way. I was happy that they're back to the DMA, although I loved All Is Possible. I loved the, the you know, the training episode last week. And I, I, I don't find those little detours into corners of, you know, Discovery's crew that we don't usually get to see uh, because it's so Burnham focused. So for my part, I actually thought it held together really well. And uh, overall, I thought it was just great. I'll go. I'll go next because I'm sure it's, it'll be important to sandwich uh, some positive with some criticisms. Let me start with this. Michael Gray Eyes, who played Felix, stole the show for me this episode. Agreed. He was great. Agreed. So it was good. amazing. I, I wish that he had been cast and been a recurring character on this show. I resolved to die here a long time ago. I wish to stay until my jailer's return. Until the anomaly hits. That's insane. Perhaps to you. I believe it's part of my penance. Speaking of recurring characters, I understand that, you know, everybody has uh, developed an attachment to book. This is not about his experience. My comment that I'm about to say is not about his experience, nor am I diminishing the story that they're trying to tell. Personally, I wish that they hadn't introduced a new character and then also spent so much time focusing on him when we already had an amazing cast that we have not yet been able to really explore. You know, I remember, you know, at the at the start of the third season, Awoshikun and Detmer, you you know, there was that scene where Detmer, it looked, you know, Detmer, there was a scene where Detmer was suffering. 
right? Where's the Wushikun and Detmer? Where are they? Why aren't we exploring that? Why aren't we exploring the cruise experience in the 31st century? Again, not trying to diminish Book's story, the story that they're trying to tell with Book, nor am I trying to diminish the actor in any way, shape, or form. He's been giving a great performance. I'm very confused about what's going on with the the the, the direction of discovery. Yeah, I mean, I could get even more nitpicky, but I'm not. You know, I think it's clear that uh, this is not my kind of show. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. I actually agree with you uh, as to where it's a lot of Burnham and Book. It's a compelling storyline, but for this episode, the question where you always ask, what could they have done differently? Could we have seen Reese lead his evacuation team just a little bit? I wanted to see that. Yeah, a great point. Yes, true. I mean, and how is it the fourth season and we didn't know this hurricane backstory? Shouldn't we have known that by now? That's an amazing backstory. What the heck? I'm just saying. We should know more about the crew. uh, And I wanted to see Reese being a badass. And (laughs) dang it. (laughs) That was a completely lost opportunity. What what about other, your favorite parts of the episode? I mean, anytime with Cronenberg, he just is like, you got eight and a half minutes. You're a, you know, guilt survivor's remorse that's what it is get over it take some time off relax (laughs) i have a two o'clock goodbye you know he's amazing god i love him he's so awesome he's so awesome (laughs) but okay but i will say my favorite part jet reno more reno man i love her well that was something I mean, she's awesome. And, and I mean, is wait, what was that scientist guy's name? Because is that some acronym for Elon Musk? Because did anyone else get Elon Musk vibes from that guy? Ruon Taka. I have written down here, is this Discovery's yes. Elon Musk? <laughs> okay, I'm so happy I wasn't alone yeah, there. He's, an, he's that kind of archetype. Yeah, because I'm like, mm, he could be an arch villain or maybe, I don't know, just super smart. But also, is it for good or evil? <laughs> we don't know yet. And and he also he also had a strong performance. That actor's name is Sean Doyle. Yeah, he was great. Uh, also delivered a very strong, strong performance. But, I mean, uh, Michael Gray Eyes, I, I want to know what else he's doing and I want to follow everything that he does because it just... This guy stole the show. I've devoted my life to doing penance for my crime. One way is to help the others here however I can. I know that giving them asylum may create difficulties for you, but the right choice is rarely the easy one. He was amazing. I mean, that... Stunning. Storyline was super powerful. I got a little choked up when, you know, when she gave the whatever the thing was, you know, to the girl with that was pregnant. Oh my god, it was it was good. I like that part. It was super touching. <laughs> Watching Michael Gray Eye's performance, he stole the show. He stole the spotlight because it just his performance, everything gravitated towards him. And one of my thoughts was get this guy as a Starfleet captain. Get this guy yeah. in a series as a Starfleet captain because his whole presence his whole aura his voice is commanding i Mm -hmm. i could do nothing but listen to him and was entirely engaged i felt every emotion that he shared and it was beautiful to watch get this guy into star trek on screen a lot more because he's just fantastic it was a wonderful performance you know and roscoe i i totally agree um i i guess this question kind of goes to elio as a real actor in this group but like his ability to command attention Mm -hmm. without having to have like tons of energy you know and and kind of over the top charisma Mm -hmm. is incredible to me through voice there's just something about the way that he acts that is able to command attention now i've only watched it once again he commanded my attention and as such i was thinking in with several lenses right wearing several lenses as a star trek fan as an actor the script was a bit lacking right his script was a bit lacking but Michael Gray Eyes took it and shaped it into an amazing performance. His moments for pause, his moments of breath, his moments of just being still and and focused, took that script and I mean made it phenomenal. This is a, this is a moment where the actor really outshone the script that was given to him. Uh, but I want to keep my eye on him because it was just I mean again you know scene stealing. What else has he been in? Anything we would know? Um, I mean, perhaps for our audiences, the, one of the biggest things that he was in was Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, I 
haven't watched that one. Yeah, he's had some recurring roles on TV series uh, often. We are missing the most important thing in the entire episode. Hello, Caracals and Iconians. Can we discuss? That's right. That's yes. right. Way to bring it. And yes. Way to bring it back, Cat. Yes, 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 yes. You're welcome. But Caracals, oh my God, it's it's canon now. <laughs> I mean, it was like a brief mention from the crazy scientist guy because he's rising and he's rising. But why is it important? What? How is that? Because that brings Star Trek Online into canon. All right, so let's say there's people listening to the show that don't play Star Trek Online. Let's get really granular about. All right. Well, not Iconians, because Iconians are mentioned in, was it DS9 and, ne- and Next Generation, I think, both. Mm-hmm. However, but- Caracals were never mentioned in any of the series, to my knowledge, and they are only available in Star Trek Online as an adorable pet you can pick up during the summer event on Risa, where apparently they have Risa and whiskey, and we don't even get that. Hello, devs. I want Risa and whiskey available. Not just Romulan ale as a consumable, right? Yeah, I mean, well, we have Aldebaran whiskey, but now if there if there is Risa and whiskey, which is now a canon, uh, I want that. Put that in the next summer event. Um, but how Caracals, because they're like these little rabbit cat little adorable things, uh, and they come in all different colors. They're even some holographic ones that come in even crazier colors. Uh, yeah, they're adorable, and you should collect them all. Uh, Roscoe, I feel like, um, d- did you say what you wanted to say about the episode, or did you have more you wanted to comment on? Oh, I, I have more. I definitely have more. Let's hear it. I want to hear what Roscoe has. Me too. Okay. Iconians. It's not the Iconians, but there are several Iconians still out there. So again, another part of the story of Star Trek Online that has now weaved its way into canon. Uh, if you haven't played Star Trek Online, then the Iconians are uh, one of the bad guys through several arcs and, and a lot of the uh, arc of Star Trek Online story telling to have them included it's just you know what it is it's a nice validation of the work that Star Trek Online does. It is just two little moments, but it's it's enough. In interviews previously, Al Rivera has said here on Priority One that they have meetings. They have meetings with other productions under the Star Trek umbrella to talk about how they can cross-pollinate. And it's nice to see that finally happen in a Star Trek series on television. I have questions over who is behind the DMA. I mean, obviously not the Iconians, but... They said it wasn't Iconians. But does anyone... Well, he said it was. I mean, are, is anyone wondering about the president of Navarre because of the blue thing and she didn't say anything and like, what's going on there? You know, Romulans, they're, they're tricksy. Romulans are tricky. <laughs> the other thought that I had, and this goes back to our Elon Musk character in Ruon Tarka. Uh, first of all, Sean Doyle did an excellent job. He played a jerk in The Expanse, and he was kind of a jerk in this too, so <laughs> he does a very good job at that. But at the back of his <gasps> neck... What was that? Was he a either in The Matrix? Okay, Elio, drink. Um... But it doesn't, or it doesn't, was he? The rule doesn't apply to, to where I have to be the one to bring it up. <laughs> Still, no, if we say it, then you drink. If you say oh, it, then I we see, all drink. See, so if see. we say it, you have to have a drink. Or is he a former member of the Borg? Oh, that wasn't a Borg. I immediately re- uh, thought of um, the little bugs, the the ones that the Icon- the um, Iconians used in Star Trek Online. The um, From Wrath of Khan? No, 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 no. The, the mind-controlling bugs that was in season one of TNG. Of oh, TNG. Yes. The little yeah. purple then, ones. Yeah, yeah, and then Star Trek Online. Online, and then Star Trek Online used them as a as a plot device to you know say that they were you know controlling you know members of the Federation. Was it the Vodwar ones? Yeah, they were controlling the Vodwar. Okay, the one that the admirals had, and they were all like, "Oh, you're gonna want to get on board with this." Yeah, whether where um, Riker and Picard phase of that admiral yes. multiple times, and he explodes okay, in a yes. in a burst of blood and gore and gro- the grossest thing you'll ever see yeah, on it was pretty Next brutal. Generation. Pretty crazy. It's called conspiracy, I think. Yes, it's called That's the it. episode is called. Conspiracy. Yes. Oh man, yeah. that's a cr- first season episode, isn't it? Well, my f- my thought was the Borg. He could be a a, um, a a little branch off of long-term branch off of Picard, in that he is a former drone. Have Borg finally assimilated Omega? Because that could be possibly the only power source powerful enough to power the little ball that's at the center of the DMA. So that was my thought. 
Are you talking to yourself again, or are you looking for some sort of response? I don't know. I think, but Book recognized whatever it was, so it must be something they know about either on Quajon or in the future, right? That maybe we don't know about yet. I also thought about the sentient life forms at the end of Picard who are able to create some kind of vortex through which they're able to come through. Oh. You know, all you ever see are like those mechanical tentacles, right? Right. Um, but they're obviously powerful and there's some kind of machinery at the heart of the DMA, so maybe there's going to be a connection there. I don't know. It's all speculation. Maybe it's an after effect of Zora becoming emotionally aware. I know. Wasn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Creepy? Oh, yeah, I know. And she's in the uh, turbo lift and she's like, uh, wait, what? Uh, you know, wait, what? <laughs> when did that happen? Oh, a little while ago. <laughs> you feel emotions? It is a recent development. We've arrived. It was nice speaking with you, Captain. With you too, Zora. We often talk about the things that could have been done differently, and I actually have something this week. (gasps) See, I did too. Yeah, more Reese. As much as I have enjoyed, it's been integral to the story and it has been good to this point, I'm a little bit over the cruise feelings, okay? Suck it up. You're in Starfleet. Get it done. I liked and I appreciate Commander Reese being a bit more in the spotlight. I felt like the, oh, thanks for the opportunity, Captain. It felt crowbarred in. It just felt like it was... They were really trying to, oh, no, we need to connect with these characters. Let's let's get him to just dial up the captain and go, oh, by the way, thanks so much for this amazing career opportunity. Bring that into the story two seasons ago. Bring it in a long time before this instead of crowbarring in in a, um, a micro conversation. It just, I like that it's there, but I think it could have been done better. I agree. It felt kind of bolted on to me. That's like the motto of this show. I like that it's there, but it could have been done better. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> I, it just, they, their choices on what they want to focus on and then not focus on is just convoluted to me. And um, I agree with you. Yeah. But I also like the callbacks in this episode because, you know, as we've mentioned, Karkarals, Iconians, and the Akali, who we met in the Enterprise episode Civilization, where the the miners were mining on a pre-warp civilization and poisoning the water table, and oh. uh, they beamed down to, to help them out. That was the first time they went undercover. Nice catch, nice catch. That was a great episode. It would seem as though production staffs are talking to each other, um, you know, at the start of of the season they brought they introduced the golem for gray right so that and that is a callback to season one of picard and then they mentioned the queue which i would imagine season two the end of season two of picard may end up explaining why we stop hearing from the queue continuum for 600 years it seems that there's some kind of cross talk happening between productions which is hopeful well michael you've given your numerical verdict on the episode cat how about you mm, i gave it a three out of five elio uh, pass. I'll give it a three and a half out of five for myself. That wraps up this week's On Screen for Star Trek Discovery. Now let's check in with Dr. Robert Hurt with an astrometrics report. Space. Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's not theoretical. It's not hypothetical. It's real. Education. Astrometrics. The final frontier. For this week's Astrometrics Report, we go way past the final frontier to hunt for exoplanets, not just around other stars, but in distant galaxies. And we aren't just talking the homeworld of the Andromedans from the TOS episode by any other name. They're just from the Andromeda galaxy, a mere two million light years away. No, this tantalizing new discovery was found in the Whirlpool Galaxy, or M51, at a whopping distance of 30 million light years. And this potential planet was was found in a particularly wild system. So how do you search for exoplanets in other distant galaxies when we have only barely started finding them in the nearby reaches of our own Milky Way galaxy? It's a classic example of the scientific method at work, thinking about what we know, coming up with a hypothetical way to do a different kind of search, and being rewarded with an exciting detection. Now, if you've been following exoplanet discoveries, you may already have heard of a search strategy known as the transit method. In a nutshell, astronomers hunt for planets orbiting other stars by looking for a small telltale dip in the star's brightness that would happen when a comparatively tiny planet passes in front of its star, blocking a little bit of its light. 
This technique only works for planetary systems that, by the roll of the dice, happen to be aligned perfectly edge-on to our vantage point, allowing us to see the transits. Statistically, that's a pretty small fraction of all the star systems out there, but it's been incredibly productive, so far leading to the discovery of nearly 5,000 planets around other stars in the Milky Way. Since planets are small compared to stars, these dips in brightness may be only a fraction of a percent of the star's overall brightness. So it works best with stars that are nearby and can be measured precisely. So the obvious question is how could you hunt for transiting planets in other galaxies where the light of the stars gets mushed into an unresolved haze? That very question prompted researcher Roseanne De Stefano and her team to consider looking far past visible light to another part of the spectrum, namely X-rays. Only the very hottest processes in the universe light up in this high-energy side of the spectrum, including an unusual kind of system called an X-ray binary. These are typically either a compact neutron star or black hole in a close orbit around another star. Gas spilling off of the star gets swept up into a disk around the super-dense companion. The inner regions of the disk get heated to incredible temperatures. A large galaxy may have at most a few dozen X-ray binaries that are so bright we can see them millions of light years away, but each one is a single compact source. So what if one of those has an orbiting planet that transits in front of the glowing disk? The team reasoned it would produce a transit signature that would briefly dim the X-ray light. So they went looking for one, and that's how they found the candidate planet in the Whirlpool Galaxy, using data from NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory. It turns out that X-ray datasets are ideal for this kind of search. These telescopes typically have to sit and stare at a specific target for days or even weeks to collect enough X-ray photons to build up a picture. But those long staring observations are very similar to those used by exoplanet hunters searching in visible or infrared light. The transit they detected indicates a planet may be in an X-ray binary system called M51 ULS-1, where they saw the X-ray glow vanish for about three hours. They were able to rule out a variety of other factors that can cause X-ray variability, making a Saturn-sized planet the best explanation for what they saw. The signal was so strong because, in this case, the transiting planet would be much larger than the relatively compact part of the disk emitting the X-rays. So in X-ray binary systems, a planet would pretty much block all of the high-energy light for a while. Now I have to emphasize this is only considered to be a potential planet, since confirmations require multiple transit detections. Unfortunately, this planet likely has an orbital period of around 70 years or so, which means confirmation could take a very long time. However, it points us towards a whole new way to search for other distant planets in the universe. And the awesome thing is that a lot of the data we need is already in hand. This research was carried out on archival data taken in other research programs, reminding us that our vast collections of research data in astronomy can be used to make new discoveries over time. And you can bet that scientists will continue searching data from Chandra and other X-ray telescopes for other possible planet transits. As a postscript for this story, I should point out that any planets and systems like this are not going to be at the top of the list for habitability searches. Such worlds are going to be flooded with deeply destructive X-rays way past what you get in a doctor's office. So our search for life may be restricted to stars a little closer to home. And finally, I do have to comment on how excited the whole astronomical community is for the upcoming launch of NASA's Webb Telescope on December 22nd. If you want to learn more about Webb or the extragalactic exoplanet, make sure to check out a series I helped produce called Ask the Astronomers Live on universeunplugged.org. Every month, our host Phil Lamar chats with a couple of astronomers about some of the coolest or hottest discoveries in the universe. And you can even bring your own questions if you watch live on YouTube or Facebook. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Well, that wraps up our final episode of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters, like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. Captains, the fun never stops if you join the Priority One Armada. Join Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and 
the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Captain's Priority One podcast has been brought to you by the support of our patrons. Captains, over the years, it has been a privilege producing our show for you. And when we launched our Patreon page to help offset some of the costs of producing this show, it was humbling to see how many of you find value in the production of this Star Trek podcast. We are thrilled and honored to call you friends and thank you for your support. It has been an honor to share our passion for Star Trek with each and every one of you. And Captains, don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. You can learn all about the latest publication, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to the entire team of audio editors who have donated hours of their time to edit our show. This week on this episode, our intro and closing were edited by William Hardy. Check it out by Alex. Gaming by Brandon Parker. On screen by Roscoe. Thanks to our producer Jake and associate producers Shane and Thomas. Together, they helped us organize and write up our summaries of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to our social media managers Sarah and James. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Captains, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, our friends, our family. Because over the last 10 years, without your ongoing support, none of this, and I mean it, none of it, would have been possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Is it backish or backish? Backish, yeah, backish. Bakosh? Not Bakosh. <laughs> no, it's not Bakosh. Not backish. I'm just checking. Bob Bakosh. Oh my gosh, it's Bob Bakosh from Paramount Plot. <laughs> oh no, you didn't just do that. Yes, I did. Just oh for you. man, just for you. The latest update has dropped for Star Trek Fleet Command with Patch 37 bringing with it Part 3 of the Duality Arc. Fatum? Wait a second, I'm sorry. Fatum, don't get, don't hurt my feelings with The Matrix Online, Fatum. Come on, Mike. Why are you going <laughs> to hurt my feelings, bro? Uh, and Elio will bro, re- react in three, Why you got to wound me, two. man? Why you got to <laughs> wound me? Wait, is that another drinking That's reference? Another, Thanks, Mike. Oh, man. What, way, to, <laughs> way to hurt somebody, man. Just, way to come at me, bro. I'm at work, man. Way to come man. at me. This is difficult. That's, a, that's still a salty wow. wound. I missed that game. That's with a deep a, cut. Such a passion. Missed that game so much. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters, like David K. Rutley, Gerald Archibald, no, Peter and Peter Bosch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, What was the last good sentence I said? I lost my trail of thought. This week on episode 535 of Priority One. (laughs) (laughs) What a... <laughs> this is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.